want to thank you for being here. Those of you here in person, uh, those who are joining us online, we're really glad to have you today. On this Thursday, uh, we as Americans celebrate Thanksgiving, and it is marked by eating a whole lot of wonderful food and being thankful for God's blessings uh, that he has given to our lives. It's always a fun time getting together with family and getting together with friends and having a day set aside where we are reminded truly how blessed we are as a people, and we are. And you need, to, you need to understand that, and we always need to embrace that. But what I have learned is that Thanksgiving isn't always an easy holiday for just every, any, any person, especially when people are dealing with difficult struggles in their life. Because people in pain have a hard time being grateful. I mean, how do you be thankful at Thanksgiving if the doctor just told you that, that you've got cancer? How do you be thankful if the person that you love the most just walked in and said, I don't love you anymore, and I'm leaving you for somebody else? How are you thankful this Thanksgiving when you've lost a loved one and the holidays only seem to magnify their absence? How do you be thankful when your dreams have collapsed? How do you be thankful this Thanksgiving when you're facing being fired from your job because you have made a personal decision not to receive a vaccination. There are people listening to my voice this morning who might say that 2021 has been one of the worst years of their life. And so the inevitable question remains, how am I supposed to be thankful at Thanksgiving? Well, I wanna start by reminding you that the Bible tells us to always be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, part of it is God's will is that you give thanks in all circumstances. Of course, the key to that verse is found in the word in. I'm grateful it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. It says give thanks in all circumstances. The difference between the word in and the word for is the difference between maturity and masochism. God doesn't expect you to be grateful for everything in your life because there's a lot of bad in life. There's a lot of evil. There's a lot of sin in this world in which we live. It would be stupid, it would be masochistic to be grateful for sin and the suffering that it causes in our world. I'm not grateful when somebody gets leukemia or cancer of some kind. I am not grateful when someone is brutally assaulted or when a child is molested. I'm not grateful when there are wars. I'm not grateful when someone uh, uh, expresses bigotry because of a person's skin color or because of their race. I'm not grateful when there is injustice in the world, and that's okay. Because the Bible doesn't say to be thankful for everything because that would make God a tyrant. The Bible says in everything, give thanks. Why? Because even in the darkest of times, when my life is totally falling apart, there's always some good that I can thank God for. Listen, no matter how good things are in your life, there are some bad things that you need to be working on. And conversely, no matter how bad things are in your life, there are some good things and some blessings that you can and need to be grateful for. 
So how do I be grateful when I don't feel like it? How do I be thankful even in bad times? Well, you look at the things that you can be thankful for. Listen, I don't pretend to know what you are going through this Thanksgiving, but I do know that there are several things that you can always be grateful for. And remember, the Bible says it's commanded, in all circumstances, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I wanna go over some of the things that you have to be thankful for. The first one is this, always be thankful for the grace God shows you. Can I get an amen? amen? What is grace? Grace is when God gives me what I need and not what I deserve. Everything in your life is a gift from God. Did you know that? And it's a gift of God's grace. The air that you're breathing is a gift of God's grace. You didn't own it, you don't buy it, and you don't deserve it. The next beat of your heart is a gift of God's grace. The Bible says every good and perfect gift, everything in your life you owe to God, even your own life. He gave you your mind. He gave you your sight. He gave you your hearing. He gave you your voice. Everything in life is a gift of God. And if God hadn't decided to create you in order to love you, you wouldn't even exist. So it's all by God's grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. I can't earn my way into heaven. I can't work my way into heaven, I can't buy my way into heaven, I can't bargain or negotiate my way into heaven. It is a flat out gift of God's grace. Did you earn it? Absolutely not. You receive it, it's a gift. Salvation is a gift that you receive. And the only thing that you and I have to do is to believe, to believe that Jesus Christ came and he died for your sins. He paid the price for your ticket to heaven. You didn't do anything. It was all done by Christ on the cross. Jesus cried out, it is finished. In other words, I paid for your salvation. It is a gift. In the 103rd Psalm, David offers us a list of the gifts of God's grace. And these are all things that we need to be thankful for. I'm gonna run through some of them here with you. Psalm 103, one, verses one and two. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. In other words, the gracious gifts of God. Verse five, he fills my life with good things by his grace. Verse six, the Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly by his grace. Verse eight, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love by his grace. Verse 10, he does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve by his grace. Verse 11, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth by his grace. Listen, if I got what I deserved in this life, my rebellion against God, me trying to play God at times in my life, or me saying at times in my life, I don't need God, I wouldn't even exist. I can always be thankful for the grace of God that he bestows upon every single second of my life, and yet I don't deserve any of it. 
God gave me this, this second half of my life, and, and he didn't want me, to, if he didn't want me to have it, if he didn't want to save me and give me a life lived in Christ, then I wouldn't have it. I am grateful for the grace that God has showed upon me every day of my life. Number two, always be grateful for the plans that God has for you, because God has good plans for your and my life. It's very obvious that life is not always good. A lot of things happen in life. They're bad, they're painful, they are difficult. Life can be tough. It is not all sunshine, lollipops, roses, and rainbows. And although life is not always good, God is always good. He is infinitely good. And his plan for your life, I might add, is extremely good as well. And you may say to me, well, not everything that happens in my life, Pastor David, feels good. And my response to you would be, not everything that happens in your life, God planned. Please don't blame God for your mistakes. Don't blame God for your poor choices. When I say that God has a plan for your life, it doesn't mean that you're in it. You understand that? It's the truth. You could be out of God's plan for your entire life because you must choose for God's plan to be active within you and in your lifetime. Proverbs 14.1 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends by way of death. So understand there's one road, only one road, and you've got to choose God's plan. Jeremiah 29.11 says, for I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. This scripture confirms that God has a good plan for your life. And something I've never been able to understand is why so many people believe that they worship the God who causes all their suffering. I, I don't get that. I'm here to tell you this morning that I serve a God who bears all my suffering. He doesn't create my suffering, he bears it. Isaiah 53, five says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. On that Roman cross, Jesus Christ took my suffering. He took my death. We have a God who does not callously watch our suffering. We have a God who suffers with us. Get that through your head. And not only that, he takes our suffering upon himself. He dies in our place. That is the plan of God. As I said, God doesn't plan the sin. Neither the ones that you do or the ones that other people do in order to hurt you. God doesn't plan those things. God's plan is much bigger than that. And since God already knows all of the stupid mistakes that we're gonna make in this life, he says, I can fit even that into my plan. God already knows how other people have and are gonna to continue to hurt you and sin against you, and God says that's not good but I can fit it in to my plan for your life. I can use that. The point is that God does not have a plan B for you and I. And this is alone is something that we can be extremely thankful for. God says all this stuff, all of, of these hurts, I didn't want this for you. This wasn't a part of my plan, but because you walked off, 
and you did your own thing and played God yourself, it happened. But I can still fit all of that into the plan that I have for your life. That's something that we can be grateful for. That's something that, that we can expect God to use in our lives. I want you to think for a moment of your life as a cruise ship. Let's say we go on a cruise, you and me, and, and we go from LA, uh, let's say to Hawaii. That cruise ship is heading towards Hawaii, but while we're on that cruise ship, you can do what you like. You have a lot of free choices. You have free will. Of course, it's not truly free because there are always consequences to every decision that you and I will ever make from our free will. So for instance, on that cruise ship, you could eat all seven buffets. I wouldn't advise it, but you could. <laughs> you could even stay up late for the midnight chocolate buffet. We did that one time on a cruise, didn't we? Chocolate everything. I don't think I went to sleep till six in the morning because I was just strung on sugar and chocolate. <laughs> Kind of like that M&M I just ate in the office. I'm still working on that. You could play shuffleboard. You could get a tan. You could go dancing. You could play on the slot machines. Or you could lay in your cabin and sleep the whole time. There are a lot of things that you can do on a cruise ship. But no matter what you do on that ship, it's going to Hawaii and nothing is going to change that. It is the captain's job to get you there and it's not your job. Well, in the same way, God has a plan for your life. And once you put your hand in, in his hand, he says, I'm gonna get you to heaven. Whether you realize it or not, it's not in your hands anymore. There are times when you may wanna let go of God's hand, but, but God's not gonna let go of yours. Why? Because you put your hand in his by putting your faith in Christ Jesus. Just like it's the captain's job to get us to Hawaii, it's God's job to get you to heaven. It doesn't depend on what you do. Can you be grateful for that? Yes. Because you don't earn your salvation. Your salvation is a gift of God's grace. Please get that through your head. It's not doing good works that gets you into heaven. Good works are a byproduct of being a son or daughter of the living God. But it is not the works that earn your way into heaven. It is a free gift. God says he's going to use all of that, the good, the bad, and even the ugly, to, to, to settle a plan for our life that we can walk in in, in, in bountiful living, in, in victorious living. And yet through all of that, we still sometimes doubt God's plan, don't we? But you know something I've learned? When tragedy strikes, when life hits the skids, when things start falling apart and when everything starts going wrong, the typical thing we want to look for is an explanation. Now, when you think about it, that's really dumb. Let me explain what I mean. Because explanations never, ever comfort. They really don't help you at all. God forbid if one of my family members were to pass away tomorrow and I were to know the reason why, do you really think that would allow me to be any less sorrowful or experience any less pain? Absolutely not. So why waste your time trying to find out all the whys? First, my brain isn't big enough to understand it all and neither is yours. There's a lot of things in your life that you will never know why they happened on this side of eternity. But when you get to heaven, then it's going to be eminently clear 
in your mind. What you need when you're going through a tough time in your life is not an explanation. What you need is the presence of Almighty God. And one of the reasons that I can be thankful, even in my darkest days, is the promise found in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things, not some things, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. All things, both good and bad, he works for the good. So we know that even in the bad, God works for the good to those who love him, those who give him the pieces of their broken life and have been called according to his purpose. So no matter what you and I go through, if, we've, if, if we give those broken pieces to God, he's gonna bring good out of it. Listen to me this morning. He loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. Amen. And then what he does is he blesses the whole world through it. Have you ever thought about how God might want to bless the world through your own personal journey? Well, he can, and he often does. You see, a powerful testimony is an amazing thing. And it's something that compels people to want to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. But in addition, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. So always be thankful to God for the grace that he shows you. Always be thankful for God's plan that he has for you, even when you get off track and even when you face those painful difficulties. Here's the number three thing you have to be thankful for. Always be thankful because no matter what happens, God promises he will never leave you. I want you to think about that for just a second, if you would. There is not a moment in your life when God is not with you. Now, for some of us, it doesn't, doesn't initially sound good because actually that was a scare tactic that parents use on their kid throughout the ages, right? We used to say to our children, God's watching you. <laughs> right? But that's actually a very powerful truth. Hebrews 13, five says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God will never leave us. He will never abandon us, but he is, but, but here's the wonderful part of that promise. That scripture isn't there to coerce us into staying out of trouble. It's actually there to comfort us in times of trouble. There's a big difference there, isn't there? There's not a moment in your life, there's not a situation that you find yourself in, there's not a depth of experience or a sense of loss or loneliness where you could ever travel alone. God is always with you. He will never leave you. There's no fine print in God's promise to be with you, and he will never, ever leave us, period. Look at this verse in Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. I'm not sure what deep waters you find yourself in this year. I'm not sure what fires you have felt have consumed you in 2021. My hunch is that in a room of this size with this many people in it, there has been loss and there has been some abandonment. Maybe there's been a husband or a wife or a mother or a father or a, or a friend or a coworker that walked out on you and you felt abandoned 
and you felt alone. Maybe you've gone through this stuff and you and your family are thinking, God, are, are you really with us now? Are you, or are we walking through this situation all by ourselves? The answer to that question is a resounding no. God promises that he will never leave us. I'm not sure what has you personally worried this Thanksgiving, but one of the best ways for you to be thankful is to recognize God's purpose and his promise that he will never leave you. But more than that, to actually pray a prayer of thanking God for his faithfulness, because that is so essentially important to your well-being. Let me direct you to a verse in Philippians 4, 6 as a reminder of this importance of prayer in our lives as we give thanks. It says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Do me a favor, I want you to dwell on those words for just a minute, with thanksgiving. We can offer thanksgiving to God in many different ways. We can do it by singing, we can do it through praying, we can do it by testifying to others the goodness of God in our personal lives. The point is that no matter what happens in my life, I can always thank God for the grace he shows me, for the plan that God has for me, and for the promise that he'll never leave me. And here's number four, always be thankful for the changes that God is making in you. Here's the good news. No matter what I go through, God will use it to change me for the better. He's working inside me. He's not just with me. The Spirit of God resides in me, and he is making changes daily, moment by moment, hour by hour. Romans 5, verse 3 through 4 says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. So why does that make me joyful? Why is God building character in my life such an important thing? Well, the reason for that is because it's the only thing that you are taking with you to heaven, is your character. You're not taking your career. You're not taking your reputation. You're not taking your money or any of your, your hobbies. You're not taking your clothes or any of your collections that you spent your, year, your years uh, uh, accumulating. And you're not taking your truck or your car. But you are taking your character. The only thing that's going to heaven is you. So you ought to be working more on you because you don't want to. Uh, you, you don't want to work. If you don't want to work on you, you're not going to take the best you to heaven with you. You could spend your whole life acquiring things and and, and building up a, a a big stockpile of possessions and wealth, but none of it is going with you. You could have all kinds of money, but you could also have a soul that goes into heaven stunted from growth because you haven't allowed God to change you on the inside like he wants to. The only thing you and I are taking to heaven is our character. God says he will use everything, even the plan in your life to build your character, to make you more patient, to make you more loving, to make you more secure. He will use it to build up the fruit of the spirit in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But here's the good news. When circumstances may be working against you, and while other people may be working against you, 
you can still be thankful that God is working in you. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That scripture makes clear that as the spirit of God works within us, we become more and more like him and we can be grateful for that. God knows that even the bad stuff that happens in our lives, well, he will use it to make us more like Jesus. Okay, true confession time here. I'm not all I should be. I'm not. But thanks God, he's changing me. And if you don't like me right now, then hang on, I'm getting better. And by, by the grace of God, I can say three things that you can say as well. By the grace of God, I am not what I used to be. By the grace of God, I am what I am now. And by the grace of God, I'm not what I am going to be. Why? Because he's working in us. During the times when God is working in us and pain comes our ways and we often feel weak and we often feel defeated, that's okay because that's when God's strength shows up best. 2 Corinthians 2.9 says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says here, I'm happy to brag about my weaknesses. Then Christ's power can live in me. Listen, you don't know that, I've said this many times before, you don't know that God is all you need until God is all you've got. When you're out there and you have no emotional support and you, and you have no, no financial support and you have no relational support, when you feel like I'm in this all by myself and, and the water's coming up to my nose and I feel like I'm gonna go under soon, I'm about ready to throw in the towel. Have you ever thanked God for that? <laughs> you probably haven't talking about the fact that while other people and other circumstances are working against you, God is working in you and he is working for you. He is continually working to make you a better man or to make you a better woman. Well, then you got to stop every once in a while and you've got to thank God for that. One of the ways that God does this is by causing us to remember the things that he has taken us through. Psalm 50, 23 says, whoever offers praise glorifies me. Another translation says, whoever offers praise honors me. This is God speaking here. Did you know that? The Bible says that when you pause to remember what God has done in your life, it is a sacrifice to God. He says, it honors me when you stop during your day and you say, thank you for the good things that I've done for you. Have you done that? for what God has done in your life this year, in spite of all the bad things? If not, you need to. Psalm 97, 12 says, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. That's a command. We are commanded to remember. The Bible continually reminds us to say, Honor the Lord and worship him and remember the great things that he has done for us. 
Maybe it was a moving worship experience you had one time and you remember because it resulted in a, in a major turning point in your life. Maybe it was something that was spoken at a small group or a Bible study and it changed the way you looked at God and the way that you looked at his goodness. Perhaps it was a time when some of, some of your Christian friends showed up and supported you during a very difficult season in your life. Maybe you had a life-changing experience on a missions trip at one time, or maybe you led a friend to Christ. Maybe it was a lesson learned or personal growth that was gained based upon a decision that you made, or perhaps blessing came your way due to the fact that, that you were obedient and you gave of your resources to God's kingdom work. The Bible says that we must take a minute to, to remember these things. Because when we do and we give God praise for them, it lifts us up when we need to be lifted up. Well, here's one more reason you can be grateful to God no matter what happens in your life. Always be thankful for the home that God has prepared for you. I'm talking about heaven. I can always be thankful that no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what pain I may be experiencing, that God has prepared a home for me in heaven. I'm grateful that this life is not all there is. Listen, if this life was all that there is, I would be in ultimate despair. If this life was all there is, I probably wouldn't be standing before you right now. I am grateful that there is more to life than just the here and now. I am grateful that this mess is not the end of the story. I am grateful that one day God is gonna settle the score. He's gonna balance the books. He's gonna even the eyes, odds. One day God is going to right all wrongs. There's a lot of wrong going on in our world, but one day justice will be served. This is not the end of the story. God is going to close all accounts and he's gonna wrap it all up and there's gonna be a judgment day and there's gonna be a day of heaven, praise God. John 14, one through three says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. What an incredible promise. <laughs> Remember that phrase prepare a place for you. Whenever I read that, it makes me understand that God wanted a family. And the Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. So he is preparing a place for his bride. Those who have put their trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you want to know how long God has been preparing heaven for you? Matthew 25, 34 says, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's a long time. He's been preparing heaven ever since the creation of this world. What is heaven going to be like? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of men, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine it. 
We couldn't describe it if it was before us and we were looking at it. It would be beyond all human description. You know, most people have such a poor idea of heaven and they think, who'd want to go there anyway? You know what I'm talking about. Television always portrays heaven as completely colorless. Are you kidding me? Who do you think created color? It's not going to be white and cloudy. You're not going to be sitting in a white robe with angel wings on a cloud playing a harp. That would not be heaven. That would be hell to me, sitting on a cloud with wings playing a harp. That's not what heaven's going to be like. I don't know who came up with this. I do know who came up. The devil came up with that idea and put it in the head of some corny commercial writer. And now people who don't know Jesus think that's what heaven is. Why would you want to sit on a cloud playing a harp the rest of eternity? (laughs) Think about this. There's a lot of cool and beautiful things on this planet that we live on. Think about the sunrises and the sunsets. One of my favorite, think about the beautiful beaches, the tall redwood forests, the beauty of the flowers and just the, 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 the multitude of colors everywhere. This earth is broken, and yet it is still an amazingly beautiful place. And as beautiful as it is, understand that this place is marred by sin. And that's why nothing works exactly as God had designed it to. But in spite of all of that, what an incredible place to live. But now I want you to think about a place with no sin, a place with no suffering, a place with no sorrow, no destruction. What's it gonna be like? We can't even imagine it. And yet God has been preparing it for a long, long time. As I was putting this sermon together, I couldn't help think about my friend and neighbor and church member, Webb Pierce, who just passed away. Lisa and I were with Anita when Webb took his final breath, and it was such a peaceful moment. Yes, it was sad losing Webb, yet it was beautiful in knowing where he was going. In fact, just minutes after Webb passed, I looked at Anita and I said, can you even imagine what Webb is experiencing right now? The truth is that none of us could. It's beyond our human intellect to understand all that awaits us in the heavenly realm. God has prepared a place for us that if the world could just get a glimpse of it and actually believe in what they saw, everyone on this planet would serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. If you already know Christ, then you've already received glimpses of his glory. You've already experienced many of those God moments in your life. And they have been so sweet that it already helps you to understand the magnitude of what it is that awaits you when your time on this earth is completed. And that should help to further help you to understand that no matter what you go through, it's not going to last. It's a season that you're going through. And I know that you have to know that this is not the end of the story because God has prepared a home in heaven for us to stay with him forever. What's heaven going to be like? Again, I'll say it again. First Corinthians 2.9. Eye is not seen, ear nor ear heard, 
nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. We know that in heaven we will be reunited with our loved ones. I have a father and a mother and a sister and a father-in-law who are there. And I will be reunited with them and a whole bunch of people who I loved and who loved the Lord. They will be there as well. And I know every one of them has been released from all pain. In heaven, there are no more broken minds due to mental illness. There will be no more broken bodies that don't work right. There will be no more broken dreams. There will be no more broken relationships or broken communication. There will be no broken hearts, no broken promises. We will all be released from all of that. The Bible says that there will be no more death. There will be no more pain, no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more suffering. We know that we will be rewarded when we get to heaven. So therefore, we can be grateful even in the pain, even in the struggles, because we know that we're going to heaven no matter what happens. And I'm getting there by God's grace, not by anything that I have done, because I put my trust in what Christ Jesus did for me on that cross when he died in my place. These are the reasons, ladies and gentlemen, why we can be thankful this Thanksgiving. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. 2 Corinthians 4, 14 and 15, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Praise God for eternal life in Christ Jesus. Scott, will you come forward? I'd like to ask all of you to stand to your feet if you would. My prayer for you this morning is that you enter into this joyous holiday season from Thanksgiving all the way through the new year with thankful hearts. That no matter what you are dealing with today, you can look past the struggle and you can look ahead to the one who is walking through it all with you. And as you think about the struggle, perhaps you'll begin to realize it's just a season. And that season is going to change, but God doesn't change. The word of God says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means that all of these things that we have talked about this morning, all the reasons to be thankful, even during difficulties, are real. They do not change. God has got you. Don't ever forget that. And in closing, if there's anybody here in person or anybody who's watching online who has not settled this issue of where you'd spend eternity, you need to do so this morning. 
Because here's the deal. You're not guaranteed tomorrow, much less next week or next month or next year. Whether in a season of everything going perfectly well your way to a season of of great difficulty, you gotta know where you stand with God. If you were to die tonight and Jesus were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? If you said, oh, I was uh, trying to be a good person, I was trying to do more good than I was doing bad, well, I'm sorry. That's not the right answer. That's the wrong answer. You need to accept the grace and the forgiveness of God in your life. And you need to turn your life over to the one who made you and created you so that he could save you and love you. It is the height of arrogance, ladies and gentlemen, for us to think that we can come to God on our own terms. We all got a formula wrapped up in our mind, and there's only one formula, and that is to submit your life and your will to Christ, receive forgiveness of your sin, allow the Spirit of God to indwell you, and to live a God-honoring life. If you're going through a difficult time right now, if you have not made that decision yet as to whether you want to serve the Lord, we're going to open this altar up, and I'd like you to come down, and you can receive it this morning. If you're going through a difficult time right now, I want to open this altar up. Come down so that you can lay your burdens at the feet of Jesus, because you're not strong enough to handle it by yourself. We never are. You need God's help, and reaching out to him in your time of need is a sign that you trust him. It is a sign of honor to God when you allow him to help carry your burdens instead of trying to do it on your own. Maybe lately you've been doubting if God is with you. Lately it seems like he hasn't been present during your time of trouble. Well, can I just say, as I tried to convey in this message, he has always been there with you, but in your doubts, you've kind of separated yourself away from God. We tend to isolate in pain. That is the very worst thing you can do. Don't ever isolate when you're struggling. God wants you to draw near to him. That's where you will receive his strength. You need the supernatural power that only God can give you when you're going through these tough times. He is with you. He is waiting for you to cry out, Abba, Father, and he will strengthen you. Maybe you have a health issue this morning. The doctor's told you you have a diagnosis. It's not looking good. I want you to come down to this altar. I want you to lay it at the foot of the cross, and I want you to tell Jesus and seek your healing. Maybe it's a relational problem. Maybe you've been deeply hurt, and you're holding on to anger. You're having a hard time responding as Christ would want you to respond, as Christ would expect you to respond. Then bring it down here to the Lord. Maybe life's going great. Maybe you're, you just, you can't think of anything going wrong around it. Well, praise God for that. Come down to this altar and thank him. Spend some time praising him for his goodness to you. Finally, again, if you're not sure where you stand with God, you're not certain where you'd spend eternity if your life would end today, come on down here. Come down to this altar and receive salvation. The pastors and I are going to be here. We will pray with you. If you're not going to come down to this altar yourself, I would ask that you would pray for these people who do, like they were your own family member. They all have a different need. We don't know what they are. God does. They're bringing it to him. Let's pray for them. If you can't stand, sit down, but pray for these people up here. We're going to spend a little time at the altar, and then we will close this service 
in a final prayer. Scott.
While those at the altar continue to pray, I'm going to go ahead and close this service in prayer. Would you all bow your heads with me, please? Precious Father, thank you for this amazing day. Thank you for those who were baptized. Thank you for the burdens that have been lifted at this altar. Thank you for the healings that have occurred. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings. Let us not leave this place being acutely aware of how faithful you are to us and how you bless us, even and especially during the difficult days that we go through. Father, I pray as a church family, as we enter into this blessed holiday season, that we would be a thankful people, that we would be a generous people, that we would seek you and draw closer to you during this time and really allow the effect of what this season is all about. It's about you, Jesus. Let us never forget that. It's not about the food. It's not about the gathering. It's not about the gifts. It's about you, Jesus. Let that be real in our hearts. Let that resonate within us. I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we go our separate ways today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct our steps, the places we go, the things we do, the conversations that we have. Those conversations would build people up and not tear them down. Pray that we would be bright lights in a very dark world. And that light would be the love of God shining forth from us. And because of that love, and because it's probably so unusual to so many people, it would open up opportunities for us to share your goodness with them. And when those times come, Lord, let us not be shy. Let us be bold because you will give us the words to speak and it will be exactly what that individual needs to hear. Father, I pray that until we meet together again next time that you would keep us safe from sickness and disease, keep us safe from any accidents that might befall us, and help us to be reminded of your goodness every moment of every day. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here, and happy Thanksgiving.